one day I got up and went to work before my little girl was awake and I got home after she went to bed. You know, is my job so important that I should not see my kid for an entire day because I had to work? And it just didn't add up right to me. Do you often wonder whether there's more to life than your nine to five job? Do you dream about having a life that has no boundaries where you can decide what to do and where to do it? And does the thought of how to get that life maybe overwhelm you just a little bit? Then this is the podcast for you. Join me as I uncover how to get that freedom and live a life that needs no retirement plan. I'll be scouring the internet and chatting with people from all walks of life who are out there living life to the max instead of punching a time card. I'm Jackie Doucette, and this is Beyond Retirement. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today with me, I've got Eric Rosenberg. I'm really excited to have him here. Eric's a finance, travel, and technology writer in Ventura, California. He's a former bank manager and corporate finance and accounting professional, and he left his day job back in 2016 to take his online side hustle full-time. He has in-depth experience writing about banking, credit cards, investing, business, and other financial topics. And when he's uh, not working at his computer, he enjoys spending his time with his wife and kids exploring the world. Eric, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Eric... Back in 2016, what, uh, what made you decide you wanted to quit your job and, and go full-time as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so that's the journey to that moment, as we were chatting about before we started recording, started way back before the day I finally was able to jump ship in April 2016. And it's funny, when I was um, you know, ch- checking out this show and, and, and what it's all about, my old definition of retirement was the ability to not have a boss that I had to go to, not have a job that I had to wake up and go to. So by you know, jumping ship from the day job in April 2016, I was a senior financial analyst at a, at a Fortune 500 company. So I had a good salary, benefits, health insurance, a big deal um, down here on this side of the, uh, of the border. Um, I had all those benefits that any good job um, would give you, 401k with matching um, so, you know, retirement help, all that good stuff. Uh, but to do that, I had to set an alarm clock every morning. And there were days that I, when I had a, my now oldest, I, when I had my first baby, I left the job when I was about six months old. But when she was really little, I remember a day that I had to get up for accounting clothes, being in the finance and accounting side of the company. Um, the, very, the very first few days of the month are always the busiest. And we had a huge... Uh, quarter end and I had to go in and one day I got up and went to work before my little girl was awake and I got home after she went to bed. I thought I shouldn't have, uh, you know, is my job so important that I should not see my kid for an entire day because I had to work and it just didn't add up right to me. So that was a big part of the motivation to, you know, to to jump out and go out on my own. At, At the same time, I also really enjoy the freedom of freelancing. So that's my primary income source. I'm a freelance writer on finance topics mostly. So I can write any time I want in any place I want, as long as I get the job done and my clients are happy, right? So my, my office is where my laptop is right now. It's, it's my home office is, is where I'm sitting, um, but I could just as easily unplug it. I've written articles uh, in England and probably 20 different U S states on many, many airplanes 
um, in many airport terminals. Now, there's, there's a lot of places that that laptop can go, coffee shops, uh, libraries. So I love the freedom and flexibility to you know, work how and where I want as long as I get that final results into the boss. It's, um, it's a pretty nice lifestyle, and it's what a lot of people want their retirement to look like. You know, I, I have to work a little harder than I might want to in the future, but I have that you know, flexibility to say you know, if, um, if it's 2 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon and I want to take my kids out for ice cream, I can. I don't have to ask a boss for permission. If I you know, don't feel well and I need to go to the doctor or I have my you know, twice-a-year teeth cleaning, I don't have to clear the time with my boss to go to the dentist or um, to do anything like that. It's, uh, it's a great lifestyle and you know, I'm thrilled to, to be so lucky to be able to do this. Yeah, it sounds, uh, sounds great for sure. Do you, uh, you, you mentioned you might have to work a little harder than you might want to. Is that just uh, your choice right now? You're working harder to get more things done or it's, is it it's, a it's, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I'd say it's a mix of, uh, you know, I'm always motivated. I always want to do more and grow. Um, we just had the end of the year. So uh, as a guy who's competitive with myself, I went into my accounting books, you know, good financial records with the background I have. And I compared my year over year finances and I uh, looked at, you know, how did I do month over month for the whole year? And you know, it was uh, it was a record year for 2019, so I was happy to have beaten 2018, but not by quite as much as I would have wanted. Uh, but you know, a record's a record, so I'm not going to be too hard on myself. But right. uh, you know, part of it is, yeah, that we we did pick expensive Southern California, so it's it's not a cheap place to live. Um, our health insurance is about sixteen hundred dollars a month, wow. um, so we have that's more than our mortgage. <laughs> we have, we have some big expensive. Uh, things you're going on with uh, with three kids and yep. and all that goes yep. with that. So um, while I have the you know, retirement flexibility with my schedule, I still have to find the income somewhere. And, right. uh, and that's where the writing comes in. So whether or not I want to, um, as someone self-employed, I say I have to put my big boy pants on and go do my job because there is no boss that's going to tell me, hey, Eric, go do your, do your work. But if I don't turn something in, then I won't get paid and I won't get the opportunity to work with those clients again. Um, so I don't have anyone who says, you know, I need you know, this done during this time. You know, I never have that, but I do have, you know, we need this by the end of the month. So I have to motivate myself to make sure I get everything that's asked for um, in those timeframes that they lay out. And, and I want to get a lot done. You know, I want to, I want to be successful and have a good income and, and live comfortably um, so, you know, that takes hard work. That's you know, the benefit of being self-employed is I get the profits of the hard work. You know, I'm not working to make someone else rich. I'm working to make myself rich. Um, but, you know, we're still working um, at, at the end of the day when you're self-employed. And that's, I think that you hit, kind of hit the key there. You don't have to work, but if you don't work, you don't get paid. And there's not really much to a self-employment if you're not really working because you're not employed anymore. Right, right. And I think maybe the next phase of, of retirement in my mind, now that I hit that first milestone of not having a boss or an office and an alarm clock, um, would be to just work on the, with the clients that I want when I you know, feel like it. I'd be able to work on my own scaling projects um, as the main focus. But that's, you know, that's the next phase is things that scale. Um, first was the, the schedule of freedom. Next will be 
more time freedom, but we, right. you know, we can't all become uh, Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or Warren Buffett overnight. We have to start somewhere. Right? Exactly. <laughs> and they did too, I think. <laughs> they, def- they definitely did. They all have uh, long and humble beginnings, long stories with humble beginnings. Yeah. So one of the things I heard in one of your podcasts was you were telling people to take the first step, make the first dollar. How would you recommend that somebody does that if they were just starting out like, you know, like you were that where they want to take their, uh, their little hobby offline and, or online and carry it on? Sure. Yeah. So the first thing to do is, you know, figure out well, what's that thing that you know and love that you can teach someone else. And there is something out there that you probably know more about than almost everybody else. If there's something you find yourself, like if you're hanging out with a group of friends that you're often talking about one topic or one subject that's near and dear to your heart, that's probably the thing, unless it's your kids. You know, everybody, you know, everybody <laughs> thinks their kids are the best. But um, you know, most activities, there is a fan base out there for. And there's probably you know, things that you might think uh, sound really boring, someone else finds really exciting and vice versa. You know, I uh, just got a, a ham radio because I thought it'd be interesting and my wife thought it'd be interesting. So we're going to take a ham radio class. So what have I been doing so I can earn a ham radio license? I've been Googling about ham radios so I can read about <laughs> what kinds of radios there are and uh, what size I should get and what do I need to know for the test and what's it going to cost for the test and what budget should I put for the radio? And who is answering all these questions when I'm searching for them. It's somebody just like you who is really into ham radios. So whatever your thing is, I'm using ham radios as this example. Um, I went and I watched their YouTube video. And if they have an audience of at least a thousand followers on YouTube, um, they can get paid for that, those views, for the ads that pop up. Uh, maybe uh, it's I landed on a blog of somebody who wrote about all the different radios under $100 and I clicked on the link to the one they recommend and they get a commission from Amazon or wherever I purchased it from. Um, There's a whole lot of different ways that you can make that dollar, but first you have to recognize, you know, what, what that thing is that you can provide, what you're good at. So, or or what you love and what you, what's the thing you know about. So for me, that was money. Uh, I started, I have two finance degrees. So when I quit a job as a bank manager I started a personal finance blog and I made my first dollar through um, advertising on that blog. And when I got my first $10 ad for a direct uh, you know, sponsorship on this site, I was like, yeah, this is so cool. I got $10 and you know, I was able to go buy a beer with that. And then not too long later, it had grown to a point that I was covering all of my bar tabs for a month um, with what I was making online. And in my mid twenties, that was saying something. Um, so uh, I don't drink as much anymore. But the ability to you know, see that income grow is really exciting. But if, if you don't make a dollar somewhere, that, that first dollar is probably the hardest because it's every incremental dollar you earn after that, you've already done it before. So right. how do you break through that first one? When you, to do a business, whether it's online or offline, I mean, you really need just three things. I'm getting this out of a book um, from Chris Gillibo, The $100 Startup. It's a, it's a fun book. He said to have a business, all you really need is a product or service, someone who wants to buy that product or service and a way to deliver it. And if you can put all those three things in place, you're making money and you're in business. So that's, it's that simple. Someone's paying you for something. You're, you're in a business, right? Um, so a lot of the online businesses, um, you'll make money 
because there's a product related to that business that you're able to show expertise about and maybe someone will go buy uh, through your recommendation or there's, or it's, you know, for me with uh, things like bank accounts and investment accounts, those are um, valuable products for banks and investment companies they, they want people to sign up for. So um, they're you know, happy to advertise on a whole wide range of, of, you know, YouTube videos or podcasts or blogs or whatever, uh, whatever medium to reach new audiences. So um, that's that's the way that I started out was with that kind of general online business. Uh, what really started working for me, though, which I think is something important for people to think about after they get that first dollar, is uh, to be objective and look at what's working in your business and what isn't and find the part that is and repeat it again and again and again, even if it's not the part that you expected to be the most successful. Because I thought when I started that website... I was going to be like um, Pat Flynn, if you're familiar with Smart yep. Passive Income. You know, Pat's a great guy. I've known him for a long time. He's, uh, he's very inspirational. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be just like him, and I'm going to have you know, millions of website visitors and thousands of uh, podcast downloads and YouTube uh, followers. And you know, I do have some of that, but not nearly to the scale he does. But, um, but what was working in my business, I noticed, was companies would come up to me and say, hey, Eric, I'd go to the same uh, financial blogging conference every year. And one year a company said, you know, we like what you're writing on your site. Would you write on our site? We'll pay you. And I thought, well, that sounds great. Write me, or pay me, I'll write whatever you want. <laughs> that sounds like a great deal. Um, and that is really what grew to a point that it was making a lot more than my website that I started out to make money with online. So the website led to the freelance opportunities. And if I had really focused on the website as my primary thing. I'm sure it would be making more money than it is today. But I saw that the freelancing was exponentially uh, making me a lot more money than the website itself. So it was, uh, you know, the chicken and the egg thing. The, the first thing was definitely the website. And that led to the new opportunity. And I embraced it. And that's what brought me here. So that's, the, that's it then. That's the key is you've got to keep your eyes open while you're doing whatever it is you're doing to see what really is working because it might be something totally different than what you expect. Exactly. Yeah. As long as you're doing those three things, delivering that product or service and getting paid for it, um, keep testing and refining and whatever that thing that whatever it might surprise you, but whatever's working, keep doing it again and again. And maybe do a little bit less of the things that aren't working. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's actually a, a very important point. And I have, a, I have another anecdote about that one. So when I quit my job, I was making about, uh, let's say, 80% of my income. It was actually 76% of my income from writing and about 15%. But we could round and say about 20% of my income from website development and website design work is along the way I was building my own websites, figured out, oh, I could charge people and do this. So the entrepreneur <laughs> mindset. Uh, so I was doing both, but I realized uh, that the writing was only taking about 20% of my time and giving me about 80% of my income. And the website work was taking I mean, probably 90% of my time. It felt like how it doesn't add up right. <laughs> it was taking <laughs> a lot of my time and maybe giving me a, uh, you know, 110% of my stress. So yeah. <laughs> um, what was really happening was if you're familiar with the 80-20 rule or the Pareto principle, 
if yeah. you round, yeah, 76%, 15%. But it was really like 80% of my results was coming from 20% of my work. And 80% of my work was giving me a little less than 20% of my results. But that still meant I was making 20% of my income from website development. So I had to really think, oh, could I live without that 20% of my income for a month, for two months, for three months? How long could I go without that um, to make up the difference by writing? You know, if, and if I'm able to you know, double the time I'm spending on writing, I'm still spending less time total, but I could make a lot more in total revenue. You, know, you see all the levers come together so I did stop all the website development work, including letting go some recurring clients who were paying me every month to just keep their sites up and running and fix issues as they arose. And my income dipped for a month or so. But about three months later, I had tripled my income um, wow. for, to a point that I was making over $10,000 a month for the first time online. And I have done that mm-hmm. every single month since except for two. Um, so awesome. by that 80-20 rule was like, Whoa, it's real stuff. It's not just in books. So I'm real living proof. Um, focusing on what was working, that was the writing, is, is what really worked for me. And it just made the income really grow to a point that I could, and I was making now probably a little more than double what I made when I had my cubicle job. And wow. yep. yeah, well, I don't get the healthcare. I'm spending a heck of a lot more on health insurance. I have so many more freedoms it's totally worth it to me it's just it's uh i feel very thankful i'm in this position yeah and i bet your kids are too and your wife having you around more often is is worth its weight in gold yeah i mean today i have uh you know this morning at 6 30 a.m my oldest came into my room crying that her ear hurt um she her first ear infection so i'm a little sad she but um i was able to be home when she stayed home from school and I was able to uh, watch our two-year-old while my wife took the baby and my oldest to the doctor. It, it's just one little example that I was here and I was able to spend a little extra time with my kid. And yeah, I'm you know not as productive when my two-year-old's sitting right there with an iPad or, or similar watching a, a show and having a snack. But um, it, it's a pretty cool perk of the job that I can have my two-year-old sitting right there while I'm here doing my job. Yeah, that's nice probably makes everything all worth it. I think even the, uh, the little bit of stress about leaving the job initially and you know, that sort of stuff, it all kind of goes by the wayside once you're successful. Yeah. The, well, the day I quit the job you know, before, you know, if it's going to work, that was probably you know, the day, the moment I gave the notice, I was like, wow, I did it. Like, it was this very weird feeling to have, I was in uh, Oregon at the time and my boss was in Atlanta. So I couldn't tell him face to face. It was a very long distance call to tell him I was giving my two weeks notice. And I ended up staying another month um, beyond Ooh. the two weeks because <laughs> by going self-employed, um, I had that flexibility and I didn't want to burn any bridges. And they said, you know, we have some other changes going on. Would you stay another month? And I said, if you give me a little freedom to go house hunting in another state <laughs> while, while I'm still working, um, then yes, I'll stay another month. And they did. And it worked out well. So that, but that moment, you know, it's it's a very interesting and unique feeling. But that night um, when I got home, I was talking to my wife about, you know, did I just make the biggest mistake of my entire life? I've worked so hard. I got these degrees, this great job at this company that I'm treated well and I'm respected. And who knows, maybe there would have been a promotion down the road. 
or was was that just the worst decision? And there were a couple of people in my family telling me it was, and I was just, I just that night I was nervous, but um, my wife was the one who said, you know, she was the most confident that I could do it. She said, um, you know, you've gotten to this point, and I had done in 2015, I did forty thousand dollars in revenue on the side of wow. online. So uh, a big part of my ability to quit the job but in 2016 was I looked back and I thought, well, if I can make what the average person in Portland makes in a year, I'm doing this, you know, 10, 20 hours a week on the side. Imagine what I could make if I did this, you know, 40 hours or if I have to do 50, 60 hours. Um, I'd, I'd say I work on average probably around 40 hours uh, ballpark. But, um, you know, some, some days I'm in a little early, a little late, but some days I'm in a little late and out a little early. So it comes out in the wash. <laughs> yeah, it all balances out eventually. Definitely. And you don't have to explain it to anybody. Exactly. That, and, that's, and that's a great and that's, part of it. You know, there, I have to say, it's not all uh, unicorns and rainbows. Um, there, there are some downsides. You do really have to be um, self-motivating. Um, you do have to handle all of the business administration stuff yourself. Um, so I am my financial advisor and my lawyer. And, 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 you know, when you're a business owner, you wear all those hats unless you're paying. Do you listen to your advice? Um, Usually. Um, (laughs) Every once in a while I say to myself, oh, I have to, you know, I tell people to focus on what works. I need to stop getting distracted by things. Um, I have that uh, shiny object syndrome that many entrepreneurs have where we, we see a new idea and we get excited about it. Uh, But you really do have to stay motivated and have to have the ability to work independently. And it can be a little isolating. You know, I've, I did the co-working thing for a little while, uh, but mostly I work in the home office, which means that my primary social life is um, is my family, which I think is a great thing. But uh, a lot of relationships could not handle the amount of time that I'm home and my wife is home at the same time. Yeah. Some people I know find that difficult. Once one person retires, for example, the other one just doesn't know what to do anymore because they're underfoot all the time. Oh, Eric, there's just one more question I've got before we uh, tie things up for today. Um, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you've run into in running your own business? I'd say the biggest challenge that I've run into in running my own business has been, well, there have been a few interesting challenges. Um, so one of them is definitely that staying motivated part. Um, yeah. when, and as I mentioned, that 80-20 story earlier, the months leading up to that revelation, it was really stressful because I had just quit that job. As I was saying, um, you know, my I new very expensive health insurance. I'm like any good responsible dad with a six month old baby. When I quit my job, I moved um, to you know the most expensive part of the country at the same time. Other than you know, <laughs> I guess I could have gone to San Francisco and it would have been worse. But um, I'm in Southern California, so it's one of the most expensive parts of the country. So. I was definitely seeing the um, expenses add up and felt the pressure on the revenue. And I knew that, you know, unlike um, jobs where you kind of get paid for what I call button chair time, um, you know, there's, you maybe if you're a salaried worker, you get all your projects done. Maybe if, if you, when I was in accounting, a lot of us were doing things on kind of a monthly cycle. And if you worked really, really hard, you know, maybe three days left in the month, you're like, oh, I don't have much going on. And you could just kind of you know, slow down and 
and take a couple deep breaths uh, and rev up for the next week when you knew it was going to get busy again. Uh, but when you're self-employed, you don't have that. Um, it's, you know, if you're not producing, you're not getting paid. So that is, it was definitely a challenge in the beginning. And when I saw that my time was scaling up and the revenue wasn't scaling up at the same rate, um, that was, you know, that, that was definitely a stressful time. Um, but then you know, I, I followed, you know, that business book, 80, 20 rule advice. I was looking, you know, I, I guess accounting might be one of my business superpowers having, uh, having gone to business school. Um, so I was looking at my, my books. Uh, I keep my friend who is an accountant who has access to my uh, books made fun of me because I have so many accounts and so many details tracked in there. I'm like, <laughs> Hey, this is what I do. Like, I, want, I want all the details, but having access to those details really let me overcome the challenges. Um, so um, I'd say the next big challenge is, is making it scale. So uh, I, I'd say I overcame the big one so far of how do I get to the point where I'm comfortable and confident with my, with my schedule and my ability to bring on new clients. Uh, you know, that's a very important thing. If you're self-employed, whether you like it or not, you are always in sales. You have to sell if, if you're running a business. It's just part of it. Um, so so I, I've sold the right business to the right people. And, and that was a, uh, a unique, um, a, I, I felt unique, but when you look at other businesses, you see the exact same thing again and again. So um, that's why I always come back to focus on what's working in your business and keep repeating. Great. That's perfect advice, I think. Thanks very much. You've got... Uh, personalprofitability.com is your website and ericrosenberg.com. You've also got yes. a podcast, right? Yes. It's the personal profitability podcast. You can find that. I haven't put out uh, as many episodes recently, but I have about 150 in the archive of um, different talks with all sorts of entrepreneurs trying to do most likely the exact same thing as you and stop going to an office or telling the story about how they did it. So that's, right. uh, that's what the show's all about. Personal finance for hustlers and entrepreneurs. And I mean, if that does sound like you, I actually have a freebie that you're all welcome to download um, for hanging out with us today as a, as a thank you for having me here and, and listening to me chat. <laughs> it's, uh, if you go to personalprofitability.com slash bootcamp, there's a free one week course. You get an email every day from me uh, with a link to a different video. They're about 10, 15 minutes long and they will start you on your path to personal profitability. As I said, totally free, no strings attached. Nice. Well, thank you very much. It was great having you here today, Eric. I enjoyed talking with you. Thanks so much for having me. That's our show for this week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Beyond Retirement. I'm your host, Jackie Doucette. If you liked what you heard, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, review the show, and leave me a rating. It helps move up in the ranks and reach more people. If you've got any questions or comments, drop by www.beyondretirement.ca and leave me a short message. Thanks again for listening, and I hope we'll see you next week.